Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. You may be seated. Good morning, Christ City. It is good to be gathered. That's a pretty heavy reading. You're thinking, not very Christmassy of you, Dave. Well, it will, you, you will see how good it is. It is ex- extraordinarily good. Uh, as many of you know, my name is Dave. I am the associate pastor here at Christ City South Vancouver, and it is my joy uh, this fourth Sunday of our Advent series to be bringing you God's word. I'd love to start us with a question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Now, waiting is kind of this, this readiness, this expectation, this anticipation of something that's not yet. Waiting for, wanting a completion or fulfillment of something. Lots of different ways. What are you waiting for? Now, as I say this, any of the kids or youth who are here are probably going to be like, uh, Christmas. Uh, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for presents, which are awesome. Uh, I'm waiting for maybe uh, some family to come in and maybe grandma, grandpa to come and spoil me. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> in life, though, wh- what are we waiting for in general? Well, some, some of us may be waiting for a promotion, uh, a raise, a better deal. Uh, maybe some of us are, are waiting for that special guy or girl, right? Uh, some of you may be waiting for your degree to finally end so you can get on with your life, right? Uh, Potentially, as January comes, maybe you're waiting to get fit. I don't know. I know. Uh, When I was uh, younger and less prone to injury, uh, this is the season when I couldn't wait to get up to the mountains uh, to injure myself on a mountain on a snowboard. Um, And I don't know about any of you. I've been kind of busy this week. I'm kind of waiting for that Star Wars movie that's already out. I don't know. I don't know if this is just me. But if we pressed in a bit to that question, uh, what are you waiting for? What still feels incomplete? And many of us might say, I am waiting for, for love, for, for, for a real relationship that will last. Maybe some of you are waiting for a child or, or for health or healing. And some of us may be longing and waiting for the sake of others, for family, for a friend, Think in particular of salvation or, or restoration in the midst of suffering. And some of us are waiting for and long for personal peace from our fears, our, our anxiety, depression, pain. Advent is this season of waiting, of longing for things to be made right. A season of waiting for Jesus. Now today we finish our Advent series 
For the last three weeks, we've experienced this season of longing and, and waiting for Jesus, this promised son of David, the king, the Messiah, as Norm preached to us a few weeks ago. We've engaged in, in the hope of Advent, longing and waiting for Jesus in this fulfillment, this consummation of all things, the new heavens and the new earth. And we're going to return to that in a few minutes, don't worry. And we felt the longing and waiting for Jesus, the prophet, the, the true and better Moses, who brings this word of God, this hope of salvation. He's the one who embodies and creates this anchor of truth. And we may cling to that truth in the midst of our confusing and shifting post-truth world, as, as Brett taught us. Now, in our longing and waiting today, we're going to focus as Jesus, who is the king who is returning. And we're going to do this in three ways. Jesus, who is the king now, Jesus, who is the king forever, and Jesus, who is the king who is returning. Jesus, the king who is now. Longing and waiting for Jesus, who is the king now. Now, now this is the Christian story, isn't it? That's the Christian story. It's, it's the incarnation. It's the word become flesh. It's Jesus, the son of God, born in a manger. And it's the story of the Christian life, this this Jesus who came to live the perfect life we could never live, and then to die on the cross for our sins, to be gloriously raised on that third day, to ascend into heaven, but with the promise of his return. That's the Christian story. And we've explored that a bit for the last few weeks. Today I want to just get a glimpse, it's a taste of Jesus, who is the king now, right now. Now, it's, it's all over the book of Revelation, but I want us to drop in into Revelation chapter 1 and see Jesus as he is now. And we can ask the question, well, what kind of king or authority is Jesus? How can we summarize the, the glorious power and grace and love and authority of Jesus as king? Well, Jesus reveals to the apostle John uh, this heavenly now, the reality of Jesus the King right now in this moment. Let's look at Revelation chapter 1, just, just briefly, to see Jesus as King now. Now, remember John is, is languishing in prison. He's, he's on this island of, of Patmos. It was probably really boring, uh, but he's also probably really sad in some ways. He's exiled for his faith. His most dearest Christian Fellow leaders have been killed in frightful ways. He's separated from his church. John longs for King Jesus. He longs for him now. Maybe you're a little bit like John. Kind of like lost and alone a little bit. Longing for what Jesus has to offer. Take a glimpse with me in Revelation chapter 1, starting at verse 13. Here's what John sees. Verse 13, and in the midst of the lampstands stood one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were burnished like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth 
came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Every description of Jesus is extraordinary. He is the perfect fullness and perfect embodiment of power and authority. His impossibly potent appearance, powerful appearance, his thundering triumphant speaking, and his luminosity, his light, it's, it's unbearable. Now notice how the king holds impossibly glorious stars in his right hand. He's saying, John, Jesus, your king, right now, is in glory, is powerful. Then notice with me, verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, this is John, as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I want you to notice Yes, there's the power and glory of Jesus, but I also want you to notice the tenderness of the king in all his glory. Notice John is, has fallen apart at Jesus' feet. But Jesus lays the very same hand that held this glorious stars and angelic power, lays that very same hand on John. He restores and reminds John and us of the gospel. Don't be afraid. Don't fear anything in life or in death or beyond. Jesus, the Son of God, the very source of life, was crucified, but is now alive and has command over all things, including death and beyond that. Jesus, your King, right now has the ultimate authority, justice and power, but also perfect grace, mercy, and tenderness. Do you need to hear this? John needed to hear this. This is what our world needs to hear. Now listen to the last part of this passage. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Our second point is, the promise of Scripture is for a forever king. Jesus is the forever king. Now, now why is this important? Now, I'm going to ask a bit of a cheeky question here. Um, and you're probably going to answer, well, duh. But, okay, any of, you can think particular big problems, but any problem, big or small, has, has any of your problems, so your solutions to your problems, ever been a full and complete success? <laughs> now, let me say this. Every problem that we have, we will apply a solution. And every one of those solutions, every one of those solutions will fail. You're like, oh, that's mean. Maybe not right away. Okay, so it's not as if we're, we're daft and we can't make solutions to our problems. But every solution to every problem that's ever existed only has a temporary solution. It's a temporary solution. Eventually, even our best solutions will fail. Sure, we're resourceful and, and clever, and, and that's beautiful, and we want to be solving problems. So I'm, just, I'm not saying, don't go solve problems, they're all going to fail. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm reminding us is that every problem is, it only has a temporary 
solution. Now, think of success. Here's something that, that we, can, we can have. Here's the problem. I want to be successful. Maybe it's a, a small success like health and fitness goals. I have those. And those I know will fail. Um, <laughs> maybe you have some, some goals of, of, of a profitable career or a strong relationship or excellent assets. And maybe for a time that will happen. But these things are all temporary. All these things will fail. All these things will die. Now, how about justice? I think for most of us, we would agree we, we long for justice. We want to see justice happen. And like me, perhaps you feel kind of a gut feeling when you see injustice. Even the harshest punishments, though, don't seem to, to fully make amends, do they? They don't seem to repair the damage done. Now, we do want to build systems of justice and, and protect the marginalized. Absolutely. And praise God that, that Christians are called to serve in these ways. But no matter how godly, thoughtful, and clever we are, we still fall short of the fullness of justice. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. So just as a reminder, all the solutions, even the really good ones that we come to, only have a temporary shelf life. Now, now, last week, I went to a performance of Handel's Messiah. I don't know if you've ever heard this, uh, if you've ever seen it. It's pretty amazing. Uh, you've got, like, the Bach choir, and you've got these soloists, and, and everyone's, like, singing. You have to stand for the, you know, the, the, the hallelujah chorus. It's pretty amazing. And there's this one spot in Handel's Messiah, which is basically the scripture of Isaiah chapter 9 brought into song. And, and as, I, as I read this to you, you'll probably be like, I, I want to sing this. I, I can't, so I, I promise I won't sing it to you, but I kind of do, but I, I won't. Um, but listen to me. Uh, uh, this, this, this passage is so powerful. And this passage is pointing to something about Jesus, the Messiah. Verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I know you're singing that in your head. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Why is it so important that we have a forever king? In Jesus? Well, Jesus is the one who Isaiah in the Old Testament tells us we've been, we've been waiting for. Unlike any ruler of this world, Jesus is the king who will not fail, who will never fail us, because he is an eternal king. The language here in, in Isaiah is this, this ultimate king, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The king here is, is, is synonymous with God himself. God in person. God as king. God the king has stepped out of eternity into our broken world to bring ever increasing peace. In just this passage alone, Jesus is the eternal king, the one who will establish a kingdom of full and forever justice and righteousness. This is what every human being was built for. 
what every one of us longs for, to be made whole, to be made complete, to be in safety, true peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the ruler that brings perfect peace. Jesus is the King who perf is perfectly just and perfectly righteous, always, permanently, forevermore. Now as a reminder, you and I cannot attain this peace except from the Prince of Peace as he gives true peace, his righteousness and justification. This is the king who went to the cross to become our peace. So with every earthly solution, we find it's temporary. But the peace brought by the forever king is the only solution, the only everlasting solution to all our problems. Now there's one more aspect of this forever king, this king who is coming. His perfect rule is coming, his perfect peace is coming, but also his perfect justice is coming. Let's return to our original question. What are you waiting for? Now about 15 years ago, I was involved in a wonderful church plant in Richmond. And I, I helped lead the youth in that, that group. And there was one family that stood out. Uh, they just poured out into this church plant. It was, it was amazing to watch. The, the mom and the dad were deeply involved. Even the kids were involved. I was helping with the youth, and the two older youth kids helped with youth to lead the younger kids in youth. There was, there was an incredible sacrificial love in this family. They poured out, and they just loved this church, and now it's a flourishing church. But this week I got some sad news. The mom in that family unexpectedly died. In this season, this, this season of, of Advent, waiting for Christmas and, and all the joys and excitement of that, I can only imagine the pain and the sorrow and the reality, this just doesn't feel right. The friend that, that told me this news, she said, oh, I don't know what to say, except come Lord Jesus. We wait for all things to be made right, even life and even death. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about our desperate need for Christian hope in a fallen world, an anchor of truth of God's word. And I want to point us once again to what you and I were built for. We were built for Jesus, our now and forever returning King. The promise of Scripture is that Jesus will return. It's all over the Gospels. It's all over the letters. It's all over the book of Revelation. Let's just sample a few of those passages just to get us there. In Thessalonians, it says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And to Peter says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Matthew 24, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, 
and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Take a moment and look at the extraordinary reality of Jesus, the coming king. Now this last part of our time together, I want us to encounter Jesus as the now and forever king who is returning in glory. We're just going to look at a few passages from Revelation 22. And there's way too much to understand here, so I'm just going to say three things. Oh, a typical preacher. Just three things. Jesus is the king who is coming with perfect renewal. Jesus is the king who is coming with perfect intimacy. And Jesus is the king who is coming in perfect judgment. First, Jesus is the king coming with perfect renewal. Revelation 22, verses 1 to 3. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. Now, as we've seen for the last few weeks, our hope and our longing, our waiting is for Jesus coming in power to restore all things. All our brokenness, all our fears, all our scattered hearts will be restored. Now, the picture here is not only of a return to the garden, which would be beautiful, but it's a picture of all creation being restored. There's no more curse or anything that can break, harm, or destroy. The enemy, the devil, has been cast into an eternal lake of fire. And we get this picture of the abundance of creation flowing from God and from the Lamb, Jesus. Jesus on the kingly throne, the Lamb who was slain for our sin, raised, ascended, and now returning with perfect renewal. And do you know what else is being restored? Worship. Worship is being restored. And His servants will worship Him. And worship is restored because our hearts are restored through the renewal of the risen Lamb who is our King. Our hearts are made right. Remember from the last few weeks, we've dropped down into Revelation 21, the chapter just before. These are familiar words to us, starting at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he, he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. King Jesus is making all things perfectly new. He is making new our broken and calloused hearts. All fear, sorrow, pain, gone. All sources of fear, pain, sorrow, gone. God is reversing the curse of death and pain. Jesus, the King, is coming in perfect renewal. But more than just an improvement on what we have, not only will our hearts be made new, but our relationships particularly the first and most important one, our relationship with God himself. And we are assured of this. Listen to chapter 22, verse 4. 
see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. We can ask once again this fourth week of Advent. What are you waiting for? It's this. Your forever king, Jesus, is coming in perfect love and intimacy. You will see his face. You will walk with him. You will talk with him. You will know him perfectly, and you will be perfectly known. You and I belong to God. The very name of the Lamb is fixed upon us. And do you know what? His unsearchable glory and luminosity, his light and power will glorify us and illuminate us and empower us. The darkness is no more. If you want to say amen, that's okay. <laughs> Revelation 21, 3 shares this very same idea. This is also familiar to us. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Jesus is coming in perfect intimacy and glory. And if maybe you need a little bit of assurance in all of this, a real, little bit of confidence, chapter 22, starting at verse 6, says this, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I am coming soon. This is such good news. All wrongs will be made right. Humanity has the greatest hope. But it also has a warning. Jesus the King is coming in perfect judgment. This is our passage that we read earlier on. Starting at verse 10 in chapter 22. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. This truth is often difficult for us to hear. The language may even feel a bit severe. After all this talk of, of Jesus making all things new, Jesus coming to be with us personally and intimately forever. Now, now judgment? Yet here it is. I wonder if we're waiting for this. Now as we thought about earlier, I think many of us do long for true justice, for wrongs to be made right. We can look around at the injustice of the world, 
abuse of power, so many living in, in fear and war, slavery, so many terrible things that happen all around us. And many of us, we know injustice and abuse and harm personally. And we say, this is not right. When is this going to be made right? Now it seems though, even when people in situations are brought to earthly justice, as we talked about, it never quite satisfies. The wounds are still there. The consequences are still felt. The scars of sin still remain. The brokenness remains, sometimes for generations. But we have a God of perfect justice and perfect mercy. The promise is, when Jesus comes, he will bring perfect judgment. Perfectly wise, perfectly fair, perfectly right, perfectly good. Because his justice and judgment is based on his perfect character. Yes, Jesus our King brings perfect renewal and perfect intimacy. But this is through his perfect judgment. The biblical reality is that we will all be judged. We are all subject to the judgment and recompense of Jesus. And this is a kind of payment language. We all owe God. Verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's a pretty hard word, isn't it? Now, if we have come under his glorious and good rule, if we have come to trust in the Son of God who surrendered his life on the cross for our judgment, to take our separation, our sin, our condemnation on that cross, the price is paid. By his grace, you are saved. You are justified. You are made right with God. You are a son and a daughter. And all the promises of the king who brings perfect renewal and perfect intimacy and now perfect pardon are yours. But this passage still leaves us with some uneasiness. What about those who don't know or refuse the perfect pardon of Jesus? Now this is a reality check. There is a final day of judgment, of recompense eternal glory for those who believe in Jesus. But eternal condemnation and judgment for those who reject the perfect pardon of the King who is coming. But hear, but hear the grace in the midst of that reality. Hear the grace from 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 7. It talks about judgment is coming, but I want you to hear this. Verse 7 says, but the same word the heavens and the earth that now existed are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. It's the reality of judgment. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Yes, there is judgment for all who do not receive the payment of Christ's blood, for his life on the cross for their sins. 
That is certain in the scriptures. But I also want us to hear that we have a patient and loving God who does not rejoice in condemnation, but is patient and loving and merciful, calling on all to repent. Is is that you today? Are you hearing the call of, of God to turn to Him? Maybe today's the day you surrender to King Jesus and begin to wait on His glorious return. Now, friends, what should we do in the midst of this waiting? This this waiting for the the return of this king in glory. This is the reality of this perfect renewal and perfect intimacy and perfect judgment. What should we do in our waiting? Let me just introduce three kind of thoughts to you, three kind of practices. The first is this, as a suggestion, as a practice we can do. Live like he is returning soon. Live like he is returning soon. Practice our faith and trust in Jesus as king. He is coming. And for many of us, us that will just simply mean repentance. To, to reshape our habits, to turn away from the things that seem outside the beautiful kingdom of God. And some of those are mentioned in, in our passage. Sexual immorality and falsehood. We need to put away those things. Repent of those things and turn to Jesus and practice our Christian faith. And as we begin to practice this repentance, I pray that we would move from being kind of lazy and kind of complacent to a place where we're actually starting to be moved to endurance. So friends, live like he is returning. I say secondly, practice mission. Practice mission. We have a God who is coming. Jesus is coming. And the reality of judgment is there. But he's calling all to repentance. And one simple way that we here at Christ City practice mission is Alpha. It's the simplest, clearest, and easiest way we practice mission here. Do it together. You can pray, you can serve, you can invite. Any one of us can do one of those things, and many of us can do all three of those things. We can pray. We can pray that God will gather people who don't yet know Him to come into this space and to hear the good news of Jesus. To hear about the coming king who loves them and died on a cross for them. We can pray. We can, we can serve. We can be involved. We, we can share our lives with people here who come to Alpha. We can befriend them and, and love them and show hospitality to them. For, perhaps it's to help lead at a table. To, to host the table or, or to help at that table. To share the good news and to be involved in discussion about the video. But that's not for everyone. Perhaps you can serve in a way that's different than that. Maybe to greet people, to love people as they come in, to show hospitality, to to be involved in the food ministry, to serve. And we can all be involved in the invitation process. Who do we know who needs to know Jesus? Who do we know that needs to know Jesus? 
we can invite them in. Come, be part of Alpha. It's, it's not meant to be pushy. It's not meant to be uh, telling you you have to think this way. It's an invitation to explore and to journey with people as they ask big questions about life and faith. We can all invite. And if we can invite, we can pray for those who are inviting. Perhaps you want to be part of the prayer team. And there's a list at the back uh, of all the people you, or there's a list at the back basically of your name and you can, all the people you want to invite. We want our prayer team to be praying for that list, praying over that list, praying for you as you invite. So you can invite. It's the simplest way we can practice mission here. There's so many other ways. Absolutely so many other ways. We can identify with the, the marginalized as Jesus so often did. We can be involved in, in missions and, and in various ways uh, in the lives of people around us. Absolutely. But I, I would really recommend to do Alpha. We can practice mission. And thirdly, this is kind of almost a summary of things. We can practice, we can practice the reality that Jesus is coming by living into more fully worship and prayer and God's word. And this is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's practice the reality of Jesus coming in glory. Be deeply into God's word. Dive deep. Dive deeper into the conversation with Jesus the King who is coming. And worship him. Practice that worship that's now going to be uh, forever. So what are you waiting for? Verse 17, chapter 22. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Let's stand as we respond. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.